Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I was a government worker sent by the U.S. administration. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. In the Yosemite National Park to conduct some classified experiments for the Secret Service. My job was to gather data on the park's wildlife and ecosystem, but little did I know that my mission would turn into a living nightmare. While out in the deep woods, I encountered an unknown predator unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was massive with razor-sharp claws and teeth and moved with an unnatural speed and agility. 
Its eyes glowed with a fierce intensity, and I knew in my gut that it was not a natural creature. As I tried to flee, the creature attacked me with a ferocity that was beyond comprehension. I fought back with all my might, but it was no use. I was no match for this beast. Just as I thought my life was about to end, a group of scientists appeared out of nowhere and saved me from the creature's clutches. They explained to me that they had been conducting their own secret experiments in the park, and had created the unknown predator as a weapon for the U.S. government. I was horrified. This creature was the result of classified experiments that had gone too far, and it was now loose in the park, putting innocent lives in danger. I knew I had to act fast to put an end to the madness. I teamed up with a group of like-minded individuals, and together we embarked on a dangerous mission to stop the scientists and put an end to the experiments once and for all. The ensuing conflict was intense, and we were up against some of the most brilliant minds in the world. But we persevered, and eventually we were able to destroy the unknown predator and leak the truth about the experiments to the public. The fallout was immense and the U.S. government was forced to take responsibility for their actions. The park was closed for months, and investigations were launched into the secret experiments that had taken place. Although I was hailed as a hero for my role in stopping the madness, I couldn't help but feel a sense of dread at the thought of what other classified experiments might be taking place behind closed doors. I vowed to stay vigilant and to fight for the truth no matter the cost. Despite the victory, the experience had left me scarred for life. The memory of the unknown predator and the horrors that I had witnessed in Yosemite National Park haunted me, and I struggled to sleep at night. To make matters worse, I soon discovered that the scientists who had created the predator had managed to escape justice and were still at large. They had gone into hiding, and no one knew where they were or what they were planning next. The possibility of another unknown predator being created and unleashed on the world was too much to bear, and I knew that I had to do something about it. I used my connections within the government to launch a full-scale investigation, and we were eventually able to track down the scientists and bring them to justice. But even with the scientists behind bars, I knew that the threat of more classified experiments still loomed. The government's insatiable desire for power and control had led them down a dangerous path, and it was up to me and those like me to keep them in check. From that day forward, I dedicated my life to exposing government secrets and fighting for transparency and accountability. It was a thankless job and one that put me in constant danger, but it was the only way to ensure that the horrors of Yosemite National Park would never be repeated. And as I looked out at the majestic beauty of the park, I knew that I would never forget the lessons that I had learned there. The wilderness was a place of both beauty and terror, and it was up to us to protect it, no matter the cost. I'm a park ranger, and I've seen a lot of strange things in my time patrolling the forests and wilderness areas. But nothing prepared me for the night. I helped the lost camper only to hear his terrifying story of a Bigfoot attack. It was a dark and stormy night, and I'd been out on patrol when I came across a man stumbling through the woods. He was disoriented and lost, and I could see the fear in his eyes as he told me how he had wandered off the trail and become hopelessly lost. 
I helped the camper back to safety. As we sat by the campfire, he told me his story. He said that he had been walking through the woods when he heard a strange noise. At first, he thought it was just a bear or some other wild animal, but then he saw it. A massive hairy creature that towered over him. The camper said that the creature had attacked him, its massive hands crushing his ribs and nearly choking the life out of him. But somehow he had managed to escape, running through the woods until he stumbled across my patrol. I was shocked and confused by the camper's story. Bigfoot was just a myth, or so I had always believed. But the look in his eyes told me that he believed every word he was saying. For days after that, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was out there in the woods. Something that didn't belong in our world. I patrolled the area looking for any sign of the creature the camper had described, but I found nothing. Eventually, I tried to put the camper's story out of my mind, chalking it up to a hallucination or a wild animal attack. But deep down, I knew that there was something out there in the woods. Something that we couldn't explain or understand. And so I continued to patrol the forests, always on the lookout for any sign of the creature that the camper had described. Whether it was Bigfoot or some other unknown creature, I knew that we couldn't ignore the possibility that there were things out there in the woods that we still had yet to discover. The date was January 10, 2020. One. It was a cold night, with a slight fog outside my hometown of Tunkanock in northeast Pennsylvania. Many nights I like to take long walks in order to clear my mind from the busy day. I walked on the rural road by this large patch of woods not far from my home. On my right is an old building with two small wooden houses beside. As I'm looking, I notice movement. Then I see an eight to ten foot pale white figure briskly walk across the road from one of the houses to the woods about fifty feet from me. I know I saw something, so I quickly continue forward. Whatever it was, I wanted nothing to do with it, and I now wanted to get home as fast as possible. A minute or two later, I look up. Again, I see this pale figure that is now on all fours, but still five feet tall at the shoulder. It is about one hundred feet in the woods to the left of me. It had bleached white skin, a bald head, and huge black eyes. It had a human face and body, except it looked extremely emaciated and its arms were like super long. It started to sway its body back and forth like a mantis. This is when I ran as fast as I could. I only looked back after I ran for a solid five minutes and I don't believe it had chased me. I was very close to home, and I was concerned that this pale humanoid was lurking about so near to where I lived. I have no idea what I saw, but I know that it was real, not an apparition. I know that you have written a book about these pale humanoids, and I wonder if this may be what you described as a crawler. Thanks. I'm in, John. A seasoned park ranger. I know these woods like the back of my hand, or so I thought. One day, I received a call that changed everything. A murder had occurred in the park, and no one knew who did it. When I arrived at the scene, it was clear that no human could have committed such a heinous act. The victim's body was mangled, and deep claw marks were etched into the ground. 
As I began to investigate, a feeling of dread came over me. I knew that something terrible was lurking in these woods, something not of this world. And then I saw it, a creature unlike any I had ever seen before. It stood over eight feet tall with razor-sharp claws and eyes that glowed like fiery embers. Its breath was hot and putrid, and its movements were quick and precise. I knew I had to catch this beast before it killed again, but as I pursued it deeper into the woods, I realized that I might not make it out alive. The predator was nowhere to be found, and I was getting frustrated. I knew that if I didn't solve this case soon, more lives would be in danger. I went back to the scene of the crime and found a small scrap of fur that looked like it belonged to the predator. I sent it to the lab for analysis and waited anxiously for the results. When they finally came in, my worst fears were confirmed. The predator was a genetically modified creature that had escaped from a nearby laboratory. I immediately contacted the lab and informed them of the situation, and they sent a team to recapture the creature. But the creature was too strong and too smart for them. It outsmarted the scientists and managed to escape yet again. I knew that it was only a matter of time before it struck again. I spent every waking moment searching for the predator, tracking it down through the thick underbrush and deep into the heart of the park. As I closed in on it, I knew that this would be the moment of truth. Would I be able to stop it before it killed again? With my heart pounding in my chest, I came face to face with the creature. It was enormous, with razor-sharp claws and teeth like knives. But I was determined not to back down. I drew my weapon and prepared to fight for my life. The creature lunged at me and we engaged in a vicious battle. It was like nothing I had ever experienced before. But I was determined to come out on top. In the end, I managed to take down the predator and save countless lives. As I stood there gasping for breath and covered in blood, I knew that I had made the right decision to become a park ranger. I had protected the park and the people who visited it, and I had proved that even in the face of great danger, a single person can make a difference. I had just gotten up from sleeping and was putting on clothes for the AM, fishing with my friend. I was standing and looking out the upper bedroom window and saw a large, grayish-brown, hairy figure trotting through the edge of the woods towards the log cabin and turned to trot across the earth dam. I immediately went downstairs and asked my friend if he was attempting to play a joke, but he was already down at the boat in another direction. The figure had been jogging or trotting at a moderate pace with a hunched-over stance, and I witnessed it for six to ten seconds before it disappeared across the lake. I am a Marine Corps veteran from Vietnam, and I have better than 20-20 vision. I have been on many fishing trips in the area for about ten years. When the figure was moving through the tree area, it looked as though it was brushing some of the limbs with its body. When I was out on a walk in the woods close to my house, I did hear some strange noise from the woods. When I looked, I saw an about 2.5 meters high creature standing on two legs like a human, but the body were covered with fur and had a head like a dog. I directly started to run and did not stop until I was safe at home. When I ran, I did hear that the creature was following me, but it stopped after a few hundred meters. I've always wondered 
what exactly it was that I saw. Some may call it ball lightning, but I think that classification really takes away from the phenomenon at hand. This thing knew what it was doing. One late summer night, I think this was back in 2001, my friend was staying the night at my house and we went out for a walk. He was 14 and I was 16. At the time, I lived on the family farm in rural southern Maryland. There was a large, relatively circular path that circumscribed the westernmost parcel of land that connected the four homes on the property. Most of the path was laden with large gravel rocks, but the northern quadrant of this path was an old paved driveway that ran from my mobile home past the barn and to the rural country road that marked the western edge of the farm. The path from my home to the road was about 500 feet, I'm guessing. I'm sure that's all very confusing, but I'm just trying to paint a picture. I'll post a link to some aerial photos below to illustrate what I'm describing. Anyway, back then I'd usually walk our beagles around the farm at night, at my mother's request, so I had no fears of wandering around at night. When my friend came over, it was fun to break up our red faction kill stakes with strolls around the farm. It was very dark out in the country, and with all of the open space, the night sky was a canopy of stars. Coupled that with the warm summer air and nighttime excursions were irresistible. Again, anyway, we headed out. My terrier, Mitzi, followed along with us. She was always at my heels and didn't need a leash like the beagles did. My friend and I started walking along the paved driveway and had intended to complete the circular path in a counterclockwise direction. We made it nearly to the road, just passing my great-uncle's. He owned the farm, house on our right, with my great-aunt's house to our left. The path shot off to the left along my aunt's dirt driveway and would not connected to the gravel path further along, but something caught my eye. Another one of my great-aunts lived across the country road, directly adjacent from my uncle's house. The photos will help, but her house wasn't on farm property, though there was an open field on her side of the road. Behind her house was a wall of trees and the deep woods beyond. The woods were everywhere out there, but my farm was mostly open land. Back to you, something caught my eye. What I saw was a light coming out from the woods behind my aunt's house. The road was quiet. Everything was quiet. I watched this light come closer, and I don't know why the first thing I thought it could be was a white rabbit, but I was trying to make sense of something that was about to get stranger. As the light crossed the road and approached closer, I could see that it was a floating ball of light, about the size of a... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Basketball floating about three feet off the ground. I'm not sure when I nudged my friend to get his attention, but we were both watching as the light avoided and maneuvered around the few tall pine trees my uncle had in his front yard. 
One thing I noticed about the light was that it was bright and white, but it didn't seem to cast any light on its surroundings. I don't remember if one of us moved or said something, but the light noticed us and stopped. It sat still for a few seconds, and so did we. We just watched it, and we were about thirty feet from it. Eventually, my dog noticed it, too, as she was sniffing around somewhere else up until then. She started yapping and ran right at the sphere of light. At that point, the light sped off, very fast, back in the direction it had come from, right back into the woods with my dog trailing behind. Mitzi was a fast dog, but she couldn't keep up. We watched her follow it into the woods, though. My friend and I just looked at each other, probably said a few expletives, and ran back to my house and into my room. My dog lost a quarry as she was back on our heels by the time we reached my yard. The experience was more bewildering than scary, but the adrenaline rush of seeing something like that had us wired, and I kind of wanted to be scared, so we were just staring out my window, which faced the end of the driveway for the rest of the night. I'm still not sure what it was, but that ball of light exhibited an intelligence, an active awareness of its surroundings, and perhaps fear which prompted it to flee. Weirdest and creepiest thing I had happen was when I was a kid. I was about six or seven at the time, and my brother was about fourteen or fifteen. Now, the crazy thing is, he saw this too. Our family was living in a trader house with an added room built for my brother and me. Before I had my own room or bed, we would sleep together in the same bed. My father was working from about 10 p.m. to 7 a.m., and my mother was gone to a barrel race for the next day or two. We were laying down for bed at about 1 a.m. or so. We lived in the country with the closest neighbor being about three miles away. Now, there was always stories about weird stuff happening in that area. It didn't help that we lived half a mile away from a cemetery, but that is besides the point. Now behind the trailer addition room, about twenty yards out, is where one of those old-school giant propane tanks sat. The porch light would only go so far and would get cut off from the added room, and it became pitch black where the propane tank is. You could only see barley by moonlight and with the tree coverage not much could be seen so we were laying there and started hearing what sounded like someone lightly hitting the propane tank just a dong 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 sound anyone who's hit a tank knows what sound I'm talking about anyways we thought what is that so we got up to look at the window behind a big-ass entertainment shelf for the TV and Nintendo we looked through the blinds and peeked out at where the propane tank sat. What we saw freaked us the fuck out. All you could see is a silhouette of what looked like a little guy sitting on top of it, kicking his feet back and forth with his heels hitting the tank. Well, my brother pushed the entertainment shelf into the window blinds and made a noise, and it turned its head right at us, looking at the window. We freaked the fuck out. We both took off running to our parents' bedroom, thinking we would be safe in there. We sat in there for about ten minutes. Nothing happened. Went back to our room, looked at the window again, and it was gone. Then we heard the dogs barking out in the pasture. We went and looked out the other window that faced the pasture. And we saw about five of our big outside dogs hauling ass 
chasing something that was outrunning the shit out of them. No idea what the hell we saw that night, told our parents. Dad said jokingly, mm, maybe it was a leprechaun. To this day, we have no idea what the hell it was. Still talk about it from time to time was the weirdest thing ever. Considering we both saw it acting rule out kid imaginations run wild, a few nights later we saw the dogs chasing after something again and the pastor hauling ass. And outrunning them was the weirdest shit and still freaks me out. I went camping with my girlfriend, wife now, off the Appalachian Trail in the North Georgia mountains. We camped about 100 yards off a fire road, which we drove up in my truck. I have firewood in the bed of my truck I chose not to haul to the campsite. I noticed just before dark the quantity of firewood seemed lower than I remembered. I thought nothing of it at the time as we were a 45-minute drive from anywhere and was fairly certain there were no other hikers or campers close by. Nearing midnight I decided to get a couple more pieces of wood. My wife was not comfortable being alone in the woods, so she walked to the truck with me. There was no moon that night, so I grabbed my flashlight. I also grabbed my gun. My wife asked me more than once if a gun was really necessary. When we got to my truck, we heard rustling about 20 feet away in the fire road. I shined my light in that direction, and we see a middle-aged man and two teenage boys. They were filthy with tattered clothes, certainly no hikers. There were also no homes for miles. Think the movie Deliverance. The man asked, Y'all got any sticks? I replied, Nope. Grabbed the last couple pieces of wood and returned to our campsite. I told my wife within their earshot. That's why I brought a gun. Never saw nor heard them again. So, I used to be a ranger in Colorado specifically about seven years ago. I loved the job. I loved being outside and enjoying nature. Respect for animals and plants are always very important to me, so I made sure the guests would follow the rules. Patrolling the trails and park maintenance was my job. I was very fit at the time, something that is very necessary for a job like this. It's not easy and can be very physically demanding. I do recommend the job to nature lovers and social butterflies. The story I'm about to share with you isn't the reason I quit to get an office job. I was forced to quit. A direct blow to my right knee in a car accident caused a very bad fracture that I never fully recovered from. Now I can't stand up for longer periods of time, so as a job it became impossible. Now for my story. Two years before the car accident, I was working pretty late. This was during the winter, so it got dark pretty early. I was by myself, and there was nobody around. I was cleaning up the trash left by the visitors and was moving debris and tree branches on the side of the trails. This had happened a few times, and I really took my time making the trails as safe as possible. That night, a lot of trash was seemingly left behind. It took me longer than I anticipated, and I lost track of time. I don't really mind working late. I was single and childless at the time. I just had my dogs waiting for me back at home. As I said before, there was nobody around, and it was as quiet as it can get in the park. 
At some point, I had heard a really loud sound like something heavy was thrown onto the ground. I assumed it was a tree branch. I looked up to where I heard the noise and walked towards it, expecting to see some wood or something. When I came closer, I noticed there wasn't anything on the ground, but right after making that observation, I heard the same loud thud a bit further away from me. When I directed my eyes towards where I heard the second noise, I was surprised to see the silhouette of a person standing behind a tree. This person was very small, so small that it could have been a child. I never encountered a person by themselves that late at night. Nobody was supposed to be there. I just stood there watching for a while until I decided to ask the person what they were doing there. As soon as the first words left my mouth, this person began running. They weren't really fast and surprisingly didn't trip over anything. I began chasing the person immediately, not giving them a lecture, but to make sure they didn't get lost in the woods. That would be incredibly dangerous and could result in injury or even death in extreme cases. At some point, after a lot of running and calling out for them, they disappeared out of sight. I was surprised at how fast this person was. I considered myself to be very fit, and I even used to go running frequently in high school. It seemed impossible to me, but that wasn't what I was worried about at the moment. I called my supervisor to report the incident. He told me to wait for him, and that one of my colleagues would do a search together with me. As soon as I entered the call, I heard the same thud behind me. This was the opposite direction of where we were running towards. I was certain that this person could not have walked past me without noticing. I was very confused. I turned around and saw the same silhouette behind another tree. I was pretty sure it was the same person as they were the same height and posture. Once again calling out for this, but there was no reaction. However, when I took a step towards them, they began running in a completely different direction. After I lost them once, I realized I didn't really know where I was, so I decided to find my way back. As I tried to find my way... I felt like I was walking in circles. It was confusing as I usually navigated around the park without any issues. I was lost. When I tried to call my supervisor to help find my way back, I had lost service somehow. I tried multiple times, but it did not work. I began getting scared. I called out for the stranger, and once again, there was no reaction. I walked around for hours, but did not get anywhere. I decided to get some rest and wait for the sun to rise. I fell asleep sitting against a tree and was woken up by a woman and her child. The walk and trail was only a few meters from where I had slept. I was certain at the time that I wasn't close to any trail. It was so weird and unsettling. I don't know how to explain how I felt. For a couple of months after this happened, I had very bad nightmares about the same situation. My supervisor and colleague had been looking for both me and the stranger that night after my call, but did not find either one of us. They were also a bit confused about the situation, but told me that I must have been a teenager trying to play tricks. And then I was just too tired to navigate myself. I know that's not true, but don't know how to logically explain what happened that night. Maybe all of you can help me. I've sat on this one for a while because my friends and I can't decide what we heard, and it is still confusing to this day. 
Two of my buddies and I were out hunting, as this throwaway's name implies, in southwest Idaho. We were less than half a mile from the Oregon border in the Oahee Mountains. For those who have never seen southwest Idaho or east Oregon, it is high desert, so mostly dead grass and sagebrush in this area. No trees to speak of. Our plan was to head over after work on a Friday and stay the night to hunt in the morning, and it was kind of my bachelor trip. We had done some early drives out there before the season to scout and check migration patterns and figured staying the night out there would be best to catch this herd waking up to move. We had a late start because my friends got off a little later and we took a bit together and packed. In any case, we got out there after sundown, about 7.30 or 7.45 p.m. local time, so we had to find a place to pull off in the dark. Eventually, we found a somewhat suitable spot near a stream that seemed decent for the night. We didn't have a fire or anything, so we just had a couple swigs of Jaeger to celebrate my upcoming marriage and were talking about our plans for the next day, who goes where and where will glass, etc. Sometime in the middle of the conversation, probably after only an hour or so of being parked, there was a really odd sound, so we all stopped to listen and heard it go again. It sounded like nothing I had heard before. It was a deep and almost nasally sounding meat. Ah, uh, that got deeper and almost distorted as it went and dragged on for a couple seconds. It was the same sound as what made us stop and was followed by pure silence for what seemed like ten minutes. We had no firelight and very little moonlight, so it was near blackout conditions out there. We all had pistols on us and hunting rifles in the truck, but did not feel comfortable at that time. What finally broke the silence was what I could only write off as a frog, but it sounded exactly like one of those wood frog instruments just being scraped at varying speeds. This was coming from one spot on the other side of the creek, almost exactly opposite of where the first noise was. We decided at that point it wasn't worth staying up to drink, so we got in the tent and went to bed, and once the frog sound stopped a few minutes later, it was silence for the rest of the night. As we have talked about it for the past year or so, we had a couple theories. At first, we thought it could have been a cow, but the weekend before and the next day, we did not see any cattle. About a month before, there were free-roaming cattle that I assume were moved out because this area is hunted pretty frequently, and the day we hunted was opening day. Also, it was close, maybe 30 yards. If it was a cow, it would have been way louder. The woodfrog sound I thought could have actually been a frog, but in all my time in the surrounding areas I haven't heard only one frog sounding off, and never one that sounded like this. Or one that was inconsistent like this. My initial thought was someone was out there messing with us, but they would have had to hike in a long ways with no light because it was a decent-sized flat area we were in. We listened to audio of just about every odd deer and coyote sound and nothing matched. If you guys have any ideas, let me know. It felt like the two were connected because of the proximity, but my mind tells me that can't be true. 